pockets up a beer or a cold libation. I can tell you how I wrote this little theme. I went and took a call from brother Jason, and he tells me that he has a little dream. He says he needs a backwards intro to begin his podcast, and I ask him what you got. He said, I'll start up with some talking and some moody clips and popcorn fighting fantasy explorations and some groundness exploitation. Kickstarts that I'm watching and some blind unboxing full month or movie marathon. Sometimes I'll let the dogs come on. Contest and of course you know it's all about games. I said, slow down, let's just start with the name. It's the Nerds RPG Variety. Welcome back to Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I'm your host, Jason. Today we're going to transition from OSR October to Noir November. I want to talk about the ending of OSR October. I'm going to talk about the final movies I watched for Scary Movie Month. I'm going to talk about what Noir November is, what I'm doing for it. We're going to open up the mailbag. We're going to get some late entries for the sci-fi horror movie contest, and I'm going to talk about some gaming stuff that I've done recently. Let's actually do some cleanup for the sci-fi horror movie contest first. So, very happy how that went. I'm very thankful that Carl over the Geomologist Presents decided to sponsor that contest. He reached out to the winner, Arlen Walker, live from Pelham's Wasteland, is coordinating getting the Traveler stuff over to Arlen. Arlen agreed to donate to the Crush Foundation for the charity. And then I do have one alibi. So we mentioned Ray Otis of Plundergrounds. We mentioned his entry into the contest, Them, you know, the giant ant movie from the 50s. We mentioned that during the show, but because Ray had caught in on a previous show and I didn't have his name in the list, <laughs> I rolled a D11 instead of a D12. So Ray actually didn't get a chance to get rolled as one of the participants. So what I did is I reached out to Ray and I told him that I would donate money to a charity of his choice, you know, because, you know, he wasn't including the role. Ray agreed he doesn't really need any more RPG stuff. <laughs> so it, it wasn't a big loss that he, he didn't get to get the Traveler stuff. He, he's in the process of giving away zines over on his show. So go check out Plundergrounds. He's doing November as Zine Vember. And he's reviewing a bunch of zines, and he has some zine giveaways. So definitely go check that out. There's a link in the show notes. But he also agreed, hey, I appreciate that, and give the money to the Crush Foundation. So I made two donations to the Crush Foundation. Ray Otis very generously matched the donation I gave to the Crush Foundation, which is great. It's a great cause. There's also a link to that in the show notes. So that's kind of the wrap-up for the sci-fi horror movie contest. There are a couple late entries you're going to hear in the call-ins on this show. I guess now's a good time to say there's no spoilers in the body of the show for the movies that I finished watching for Scary Movie Month or what the callers mention for their late entries. I do have some spoilers, but they're all going to happen after the ending theme song by T.J. Drennan. And I'll remind you that before the ending theme song as well. So there will be some spoilers but they're not going to happen until after the ending theme music. So if you don't want to hear any spoilers, you can still listen to this whole show up to the ending music without any worries. Okay, so what's coming up next? Well, hopefully next episode I will announce the next contest, the November contest. I'm very excited for it. I've had a bunch of people reach out to me to sponsor contests, actually, and that's exciting. So this November contest is also a sponsor contest, but you'll find have to wait till. Monday to hear more about that. Actually, you're going to have to wait till Tuesday. So let's talk about my schedule change. What I'm going to start doing is I'm going to start putting it, I'm going to keep doing System Sunday. And we're going to try to keep those short, you know, about 10 minute episodes where I talk about different gaming systems. And then on Tuesday and Thursday, I'm going to release regular episodes. And they'll be between half an hour and an hour in length. So that's my intent, is to put out two half-hour to hour-long episodes a week, plus the Sunday System Sunday episode. I was doing Monday and Thursday, and it may be Monday and Thursday, I don't know. Let me know if you have a big preference what day the episodes are released on. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm kind of agnostic, it doesn't matter to me which way I go, whether it's Monday and Thursday or Tuesday and Thursday, so just let me know what you think. Um, but that's kind of the plan moving forward for the show's format. 
And, and of course, it'll still be variety. I'll talk about all kinds of different things. That's never going to change. Now, let's talk about Noir November. What's Noir November? Noir November, for me, I love film noir, love those kind of movies. And so I'm going to watch a film noir, a you know, noir movie every week of November, and I'm going to talk about it. We'll talk about one, This Gun for Hire from 1942, 80 years old this year. We're going to talk about that later in this episode. Wonderful, wonderful movie with Veronica Lake, Alan Ladd. Um, highly recommended. If you're if you're not sure about film noir, if you're not used to the genre, This Gun for Hire is actually a great entryway to it. But we'll talk about that later this episode. And then the System Sundays this month are going to be role-playing games designed to emulate the film noir genre, emulate these stories. So I'm going to talk about one of the role-playing games specifically designed to play this genre on the four System Sundays this month. So that's what I'm doing for Noir November. Let's talk about gaming for a minute. I was recently able to play in a session of The Hateful Place with Daniel Norton of Bandit's Keep. I'll link an episode of his where he recently talked about The Hateful Place. It's a pretty light system designed to let you play in a kind of dark, post-apocalyptic world. But you can set it kind of any time, any place. Uh, in, in our case, it was first century and... The apocalypse was the sun is out 23 hours a day. And, and we had an interesting adventure where we're trying to recover this artifact. And we, we go with some salt traders and we got ambushed by a cult and end up being chased into these caves. And we're looking around. We fought a vampire, fought some other creatures, fought a witch at the end. The Hateful Place is an interesting system. It's a, a pretty light system, but it's a pretty deadly system as well. All the weapons do 4 to 40 points of damage, no matter what the weapon is. The You have roughly 20 to 30 hit points. You're, you have about a 25% chance of success on anything that you do. Um, so if when you say that up front, it sound, well, that doesn't sound very fun. But actually, it, it was a whole lot of fun. And the system kind of just gets out of the way and lets you play. And it was really neat. Uh, it, it's not a system I'd want to do long-term games in, I don't think. But as far as a one-shot, it's really neat. And the game is nice because it's got lots of random tables to generate. So you could, you know, everybody just show up, say, hey, what are we going to do tonight? We're just going to play The Hateful Place. And you generate up a random world, a random apocalypse, and characters take all of three minutes to generate, and then you just dive into it. So it's a pretty neat game. Daniel's talked about it before. Nikki has talked about it uh, on her podcast, which she did a couple episodes, so I'll link to that in the show notes as well. And, yeah, so I got to play that, and I got to play, well, we didn't play. I got to participate in Session Zero for Corporea. Corporea is a game where you're a reborn knight of the round table or one of their supernatural-powered allies fighting an invisible war against the rise of monster magic and powerful megacorps that want to control it all in the near future. And this game is mainly going to be a play-by-post game with the occasional uh, online play for maybe for combats or big events. So it's with a new group. Uh, they're all really nice people, really enjoyed meeting the new group. I, I don't want to necessarily call out who they are unless they talk about it. But it I enjoyed that. I'm looking forward to that game. I've not played this game system before. I think I'm going to wait until I actually get my character totally done and created, and then I'll talk about Corporea, Corporea more on this show. So that's almost like a little teaser for that game. The other thing I'll mention is I've submitted my game for DaveCon. DaveCon, of course, is an old-school convention in Minneapolis, Minnesota, April 13th to the 16th where you'll have all kinds of great guests coming, like Dave Wesley, who created Bronstein and ran the Bronstein games. You know, great guests. Mike Carr is going to be there. So I'm going to be running a Star Trek game. Now, I'm not sure if I'm going to use... I ordered a copy, or I won a copy, however you want to say it, off eBay, of FASA's Star Trek, the you know, the old FASA Star Trek RPG. So when I get that, I need to read through that. 
I'll either use that or I'm going to use Starships and Spacemen is now sold by Goblinoid Games to, to run this game. So we'll see which one. And then tonight, as of the day this is record or released, I should be in a game of ICRPG Vigilante City run by Eric Salzweedle of the Mega 3D Chicken Coop. So I'm looking forward to that as well. So that is about it for gaming for me. Uh, we talked about gaming and plug DaveCon, plug the contest for next month. I think I've done everything I need to do for us to finish. So now we can move on to finishing out Scary Movie Month. What movies did I finish watching to finish the month out? Well, and I said finish way too many times. One Body Too Many from 1944 is kind of a comedy movie. It's not really a horror movie. It, it, it was okay. Um, Curse of the Werewolf, 1961. This is Hammer's attempt at doing a werewolf movie. Oliver Reed is the werewolf, and you know he gets to chew the scenery like he always does in these movies. Um, it, it, it's enjoyable. I can see why they didn't make any other ones. Terrence Fisher, the, the amazing Terrence Fisher, who directed so many of these great Hammer movies. He directed it, and it, it's a little bit slow, to be honest. Um, I I don't think it's his best work, but, you know, it, it was enjoyable enough. I revisited I Married a Witch from 1942, 80 years old this year. Of course, that's Veronica Lake, um, big Veronica Lake fan here. Uh, I Married a Witch, of course, is your inspiration for, like, the Bewitched TV show. David Cronenberg's Scanners from 1981, of course, with Mike Ironside. Um, Scanners is an amazing uh, movie. You have some body horror in there, but it's about, you, you know, people in the modern day, well, 1980s modern day, you know, psychics and corporations trying to use them for their, their own advantage. And, and, and this kind of battle between different factions of psychics, um, people of mental power. Scanners is pretty great. 1987's Near Dark. So this is a Catherine Bigelow film. You know, great, great cast. Bill Paxton, uh, Lance Hangerson. Uh Near Dark is a vampire movie. And it, it's not a bad movie. It's, it's actually kind of interesting. I, I think the ending is a little bit weak, to be honest. But... Near Dark is definitely an enjoyable vampire movie, death worth seeing. I revisited 1982's Cat People. So I did not rewatch that when I talked about Cat People with Ray Otis. He rewatched it, was really disappointed. But it's on the Criterion channel. I, I do subscribe to the Criterion channel streaming. And so I checked out 1982's Cat People. And it is a much weaker movie than the 1942 version. If you're in to see one version, check out 1942's. I think... The 82 movie could work. I, the 82 movie is about half an hour too long. If you just stopped it with half an hour to go, there was actually a pretty good stopping point. You could have stopped the movie there and it been a much better movie, I think. Maybe I'll talk a little bit about the cat people in the spoiler section. So watch for that after the ending credits. But it, it's okay, Cat People, nineteen eighty two. But I, I would, but the forty two movie is definitely better. In fact, this is an example where. Just because they added some nudity and stuff in the 82 one, it doesn't add to it. And the 42 version is, is still a much stronger film. 1983's The Hunger, David Bowie. It's another quote-unquote vampire movie. They're never called vampires in this movie. They're not necessarily traditional vampires. This is a Tony Scott film. The Scott brothers, Tony and, and Ridley, are very hit and miss for me. And this one was kind of a miss. I, it was too artsy-fartsy for me, to be honest. Um, Susan Sarandon, everybody does a good job in it, but it's just, I don't know. It, it The hunger didn't do it for me, like a lot of Tony Scott, well, a lot of the Scott Brothers stuff. Just They're very hit and miss for me. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the Scott Brothers, to be honest. Um, 1975's Lord Shango. This is a great movie. So this is a black exploitation movie. It's not even it's not even really a black exploitation movie, right? This is an independent horror movie, and it was made... You, you, you know, it's a it's a African-American-centric cast and, and their story, and it's a story of a family caught between Christianity and an older ancestral religion. And, and Lord Shango is, is really fun. It, it's really well done and, and highly recommended. If you can check, check out 1975's Lord Shango, I do recommend it. The last one I watched was Barbarian 
which came out this year, 2022. And the only thing I'll say about Barbarian, it's on HBO Max now. Check it out. It, I'm not going to give you any spoilers for this movie. I'm not even going to do it in the spoiler section because you should watch this movie. <laughs> you don't watch previews. Don't listen to reviews. Don't read anything about Barbarian. Just watch it. I will say it. people make it seem more extreme than it is. It, Barbarian is one of these movies where you think you've got it figured out and then the plot changes. You know, there's a twist and then there's another twist. So it keeps you guessing on what's really going on until the end of the movie, which is good. And there are good performances in it, really strong performances in it. It is not nearly as gory as people might make you think. It's not that gory. The The violence is not super duper extreme. This isn't the Serbian film or something like that, right? So... It, I think this is accessible to most people. There are probably some, there are some trigger stuff, trigger warnings in there. And if you have trigger warnings, and I'm sure there are websites you can go to that say that list trigger warnings for movies. But overall, Barbarian is not as extreme as people might make you think. But it is a very enjoyable modern horror movie. And if you can handle R-rated modern horror, you can handle Barbarian, and it and it's a pretty enjoyable watch. I, I came away with a smile on my face at the end of it. Um, it isn't overall, right? Um, so, yeah, Barbarian. Total of 57 movies, both cinematic and television movies, television specials, like the, you know, the ghost story for Christmas thing that the Brits did over there. Um 62 if you consider the five episodes of the Millennium TV show that my wife and I watched. So pretty successful scary movie month. As far as OSR October, I think it was pretty successful. I'm very happy that Rob over down the heap suggests that we do it. And I think everybody did a wonderful job. Daniel of Bandits Keep, Taylor Clerks Wear Ringmail, Kevin of the Redcast Podcast. Of course, there were tons of other people that did a lot of episodes. I'm going to miss people, so I'm not going to mention everybody. But I, I do want to say thank you to everybody that participated in OSR October. Really enjoyed the episodes, and I look forward to seeing what happens with it next year. Okay, that's it for OSR October. For Noir November this week, I watched This Gun for Hire, 1942, Veronica Lake, Alan Ladd. Like I mentioned earlier, this is a quintessential film noir movie. And even though it's, you know, a lot of people talk about film noir starting after World War II, but obviously this this was actually, they started filming it prior to Pearl Harbor. They had to stop production because Pearl Harbor happened, and then they picked back up on, I, I believe, the 10th of December. They, they you know, because they, they were in production on the 6th of December. They stopped on the 7th when Pearl Harbor happened, and then they picked back up on the 10th. Um, so this is actually, you know, prior to and during the war arguably, but it, early, very early war, but it, it's very definitely a film noir. What exactly is a film noir, you ask? That's a bit of a controversial question. There's some disagreements on what a film noir is. It's primarily used, and I'm reading this off Wikipedia, primarily used to describe stylish Hollywood crime dramas, particularly those that emphasize cynical attitudes and motivations. And, and I think that's pr pretty standard. It generally you have like hardball detectives, you have criminals, you have, you know, regular people caught up in crazy situations like DOA, gun crazy. Um, you, you know, I, I would say that Night of the Hunter is a film noir, even though, you know, a lot of people might not consider it such. So I don't think it's has to be set in a certain time period. Usually they have Usually they're black and white. Usually you have like that German expressionist cinematography is like a basis for how they're filmed, but shadows used, you know, special kinds of angles, things like that. Um, but, and, and, and they're, you know, melodramas, right? But I, I don't know. The, it, it's tough because you do have what they call neo-noir which are more modern films that fit in the film noir genre. Um, but we're just talking about the classic ones, so I'm not going to touch on the more modern films that could be considered noir and, and, and arguably should fit in this genre, like Blood Simple. You know, we've talked about Blood Simple in this podcast before. Um, but I, I'm going to keep this to the original films. And specifically this week, we're going to keep it to 1942's this Gun for Hire, directed by Frank Tuttle.
great acting by everybody involved. You can this is Alan Ladd's breakthrough role where he became a star. And, and you can see why in this. He he really pulls it off. When you watch it, you can see his face and you can see the emotion. And at first you might think, oh, he's kind of wooden. But later on you can see he really is acting. He's really doing a good job. Um it, it, like I say, it's a great noir movie. If you're if you're new to the noir genre, if if you're not used to these kind of things, check out this is a great movie to watch to to kind of see what what we're talking about and yeah I, I can't recommend this gun for hire enough who's on the phone who's on the phone who's on the phone who's on the phone well, maybe it's your auntie or a joke by your spouse, but the operator's screaming is coming from inside the house. Oh, hi there, Jason. I'll, uh, hi, it's just safer here, and I thought I'd perhaps just drop you a line, and perhaps perhaps I can do you a, a personal podcast, so you can just wet yourself laughing at my frankly awful American accent and my just terrible Jimmy Stewart impression. We are going to agree to disagree, Safer. That was Safer, a Safer Fantasy Crafting, and I thought that was a wonderful Jimmy Stewart impression. We're actually going to watch a Jimmy Stewart movie later this month during Noir November. Call Northside 777, where he plays a private investigator. So look forward to that. That'll be near the near the end of the month. But I thought that was a great impression. That comes from a recent episode of Safer Show where he talks about, you know, should he do a show on impressions? And I called in recommending that he does. We have another call from Safer, a late entry to the Sci-Fi Horror Movie Contest, but he gives spoilers in it. So I'm going to play that call after the ending theme song. So let's move on to our next caller. Hey, Jason. You know what? That was a finally getting to catch up on your podcast. I apologize for having not called in even when i've listened i don't know what my problem is maybe i'm just too busy and i feel thin i need to take off that one ring i guess anyway that was a really good reading i really enjoyed that story i want to go back and read it again um and uh maybe read other brack the barbarian tales um it definitely fit the genre as advertised and uh, don't kid yourself. Your reading was really good, very evocative. You even did voices, um, which I appreciate. And I can't wait for you to do that, you know, um, next time we run a game. So anyway, take care. I'm calling here from Miami. And uh, hopefully I'll be back home soon. But I think I'm here until Friday. So talk to you later. That was Carl, the Geomologist Presents podcast, and he was calling reference my episode 419, The Day of Might, where I did a reading from John Jake's Brack the Barbarian, specifically a reading from the short story, The Girl in the Gym. Thank you, Carl. That was very kind of you. Um, I will not be doing any audiobooks anytime soon. But I did enjoy reading that, and hopefully that encouraged some people to go grab some Brack the Barbarian. There are some Kindle books out there, and of course you can find the original pulp paperbacks. You know, they're printed easily as late as the 70s and 80s. Okay, let's move on to our next caller. I think this is Joe Richter from Hindsightless. Yo, hey dude, I just wanted to call and say I enjoyed your rundown of the crazy movies you watch some of those sound absolutely bonkers i've never heard of those uh spanish films with the lucha libres but they sound amazing uh i love that there was you talked about a kid's movie that had boobs in it that's fantastic uh and yeah yes what spooky stuff we've been listening to so <clears throat> lately i've been watching a couple different youtube channels that basically read posts from the internet 
and this one in particular, I think the channel is called T6 Archives, and he reads uh, posts from the X board on 4chan, because I don't even know how to get to 4chan, man, that's some crazy ass shit, that's far beyond my tech skills, but I just, I love 4chan because it gives a place for semi-talented middle school writers to write fiction, <laughs> Even though I'm sure some of these people writing these stories are much older than that, but they have the writing skills of like middle schoolers and they're just these crazy, ridiculous stories that purport to be true, but have these major glaring uh, plot holes and they're really fun. Uh, so that and then a couple other channels that read stuff off of Reddit and shit. So that's kind of where I've been getting my spooky stuff from. And it's been it's been fun, man. Uh, I love this time of year. Um, yeah, man. So thanks, thanks for a spooky rundown movie episode. That those aren't words that go in that order, but that's the order they came in. Anyway, man. Thanks again for the message you sent me about my recovery. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 good, man. It's good. So I will talk to you soon. Peace out. Hey, Joe. Thank you for the kind words. Let me clarify because I may have misspoke in a previous episode, but. The Lucha Libre movies, the Santo movies, all that, they're actually Mexican movies. They're in Spanish, but they are the movies are actually Mexican, and they're products of Mexico, and I don't want to take that away, because I really do think they're gems. You get this look at these, yeah, they're kind of kids' movies, but they're superhero movies. They're the, the superhero movies from that country, really, and, and they're really great movies. They're really enjoyable to me. Um, and, and when you look at Lucha Libre, you look at what they brought to the wrestling world, it's amazing as well. So I, I've got a lot of respect for everything involved in like the Lucha Libre thing with the Luchadors, the, the movies, the wrestling itself, the whole culture. They, they had comic books, they had all kinds of things tied up in that culture. And, and I really want to make sure that we're, you know, representing it correctly and attributing it correctly. And again, that's not your fault. I know you didn't watch the movie. You only went off what I was saying in the podcast. So I want to make sure I clarify that. As far as the nudie, let's hear the next caller is Spencer from Keep Off the Borderland, also known as Free Throw. And he's going to kind of make a snide remark about that. So we're going to play his call and then I'll address the nudity. But really, yeah, the nudity in a Lucci Libre film really doesn't belong. So. That was a misstep, but but I'll address that after Spencer's call. But thank you, Joe. I really appreciate the comments. Hi, Jason. Spencer here. I just wanted to say how much I enjoyed your um, bad movies as inspiration for gaming ideas. I think that's a really good, uh, largely untapped resource, especially not just with gaming. I mean, why... When you remake movies, why try and remake a classic? Why not? try and remake the movie they screwed up. I mean, you know, so many films have a really interesting premise that they fail to explore. And I think that's where using those ideas in game can kind of do them justice. Uh, so yeah, really, really great stuff. Um, there was a film I saw recently, not recently, a couple of months ago now, but Scream and Scream Again, you've got, um, Vincent Price, Peter Cushing, and um, Christopher Lee in this. It's not a Hammer film. I think it's Amica, a joint production with Amica and Ape. Um, yeah, I'd describe it as three subplots in a trench coat trying to pass themselves off as a movie. But um, lots of really crazy ideas in there that could really be explored in a game. Great stuff. Take care, man. Bye. Hey, Spencer. Yeah, thank you for the kind words. And, you know, I think I've talked about Scream and Scream again on here in the past. I actually enjoy that movie. And it does come together at the end once you understand where they're getting to. Now, how satisfying that ending is, is, you know, definitely up to the viewer. And I, I can see where some people might not be satisfied because they thought it was one kind of movie and then it switched to be something else. Kind of like Barbarian does, right? But... Although the switch in this is much more <laughs> distinct. It's, it definitely switches genres, the, what you think the genre is initially to something else. Um, so that's kind of interesting. But yeah, I it is interesting that they insist on... I mean, obviously they remake popular movies because they have that popular name that people say, hey, that was a great movie and 
or people have heard the name of the movie, so that's why they want to remake classic movies. But yeah, it'd be nice if they'd recycle some real, you know, bad movies that have good ideas in, into better movies. Mind you, I like the bad movies. Typically, I can enjoy them for what they are. So it doesn't really matter to me. If they don't remake, you, you know, one of these movies that I enjoy, then that that's okay. It's not going to break my heart. You know, if, if I don't see a remake of Basket Case, that is not going to hurt my feelings. And in fact, I think if you tried to remake Basket Case, you would fail utterly because you can't capture that pre-Giuliani New York, right? So there are some of these movies that you're not going to remake. And and I don't know that Basket Case is that bad of a movie, really. I, I think Basket Case is actually pretty successful for what it's meant to be. Um, but I know I know what you're saying, though. So anyway, thank you for that. And, and now Spencer did give us an entry for the sci-fi horror movie contest, but sadly, it was late. And that entry is where he mentions the nudity bit. Hey, Jason. I hope I haven't left it too late and there's still time. But my entry for the sci-fi horror competition, well, I was going to say Alien because it's not just one of my favourite sci-fi horrors. It's one of my favourite movies. I regard it as a masterpiece. But I'm going to suggest something else. A movie that was a very unsettling experience for me and that's a film from 2013 called under the skin starring scarlett johansson as a thing from another world it's one of those films that really stayed with me it's got a really interesting unnerving soundtrack and some limited but quite disturbing special effects it's kind of a slow burn so it's not for everyone but as i say it really stayed with me also it features some full frontal nudity, which I know you have mixed feelings about. There you go. That's my entry. Hey, Spencer, thank you. That's a very strong entry, actually. You know, one nice thing about Under the Skin, it's very gorilla, right? A lot of the actors, the people cast were not professional actors. You know, this was like their first role, and they did a lot of hidden camera stuff and did a very guerrilla film style. Uh, Under the Skin is a recommend. It, it's a very interesting movie. Um, the same director is, of course, the, I'm trying to remember his name. He's the one that did Sexy Beast as well. Um, and I'm brain farting on the director's name who, di who did that movie right now. But John Glazer, that, that's his name, John Glazer. Um, and anyway, but yeah, I, I do recommend it. I, I think that's a, a great movie. Sadly, you are too late for the contest. You're, you're, call did come in after we recorded the award show but i do appreciate your sharing that as far as nudity goes i don't have any issue with nudity if you've listened to the show you, you probably know that from different things i talk about but as far as certain places i don't think it enhances the movie at all and it probably detracts right so in the lucha libre film in santo film where you know it's kind of a kid's film adding the nudity in doesn't help the movie at all. And the movie wasn't added for Mexico. In fact, Santo campaigned to keep that version of the movie, you know, out of circulation, but they added nude scenes for the European market. And, and it really doesn't make any sense. It doesn't add it. It's it's like if you're watching a Muppet movie, right? And, and then somebody inserted, you know, scenes with topless women in the Muppet movie. Does that enhance the Muppet movie? You know, if you're if you're 15 years old, maybe it does. But as an adult, no, it doesn't. Are, are there times full frontal nudity is necessary and helps the movie? Sure. You could argue under the skin. You know, it was one of those times. You could argue that Joe Beth Williams being doing that nudity in Kramer versus Kramer really, you know, it adds weight to that scene in the hallway. You, you know, where Dustin Hoffman's son comes out and, you know, encounters her in the hallway. Right. So so nudity is not a bad thing at all but i don't think it's a i think there are times it just doesn't make sense and it actually does detract from the movie and i think when we're talking about you know a santo movie then yeah it doesn't really apply in there so that that's kind of that but it's not that i have <laughs> any kind of issue with nudity in movies i mean i'm i'm probably one of the least prudish of <laughs> podcasters out here as far as some of that stuff goes but Anyway, thank you for the entry. I'm sorry it's late, but it was still a great entry, and I appreciate you sharing it with us. Let's go on to our next call. Yo, what up, dude? Awesome episode on the board game Betrayal at the 
house. Um, the hill that I can't think of right now because of reasons, basically. Anyway, man, uh, that was that was fun. I've seen that board game, never played it. But uh, yeah, y you mentioned how that board game got the idea from the Paysetter game, the chill board game. Uh, and, and I was wondering about that. Was that Paysetter game the first ever game to use the idea of laying out tiles for a board? Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, anyway, I, I, I have probably an unrationally, irrationally bad taste for Paysetter games uh, based on the interactions that Evil Jeff had with them. I, they might be a fine company. They probably are. But, you know... If you mess with somebody I know, I will hold a grudge. <laughs> when somebody I don't know messes with somebody I do know, I will hold a grudge, damn it. <laughs> anyway, man, awesome episode. Can't wait for the next one. We'll talk soon. Take it easy. Peace out. Hey, Joe, let me clarify something here. There's two, there's sadly two different people using the name Paysetter Game. There's the original company in the 80s. They did great work. They had Chill, they had Time Master, they had Magus, Sandman, they did the Chill Blackmore Manor board game. That Paysetter was a very awesome company. Their games were mostly deep percentile based. They went defunct, and their properties are now owned by Dan Proctor of Goblinoid Games. And he's republished pretty much all their stuff, except he didn't get the name Chill, so he can't republish the old Chill stuff. Being by the Time Master stuff, the Sandman, the Mages, all that stuff, you can buy. So go support Goblinoid Games, buy that stuff. The Crypt stuff, or the Chill stuff, he's got a game called Crypt World, which is Chill. That's the new Chill. There are other games out there with the name Chill. They're not really Chill. Don't buy those. Buy Crypt World and enjoy it. It's got the action table. It's got all that cool stuff. So the original company from the 80s had a game called Chill Blackmore Manor, and it ties in with the Chill role-playing game, which is now Crypt World, sold by Goblin Games. And that original game is the predecessor of Betrayal at the House on the Hill, not just because of tile lay mechanic, but because it's a spooky house, because there's a traitor mechanic where one of the players turns into a traitor during the game, things like that. It really is the predecessor of the game, um, and not just because of the tile laying thing. So, and it's a cool game. Like I said, I do have, own that copy as well. The problem is there's another company out there that has taken the name Paysetter that don't put out games, don't have any claim to the original Paysetter company, don't have any claim to the original Paysetter games. They just said, hey, we're going to be mercenary and take this game that people have heard of and slap it on our company that puts out OSR shit. And they put out a. They did a Kickstarter for a, a BX, an expanded version of BX, and you can go to Minions and Musings podcast by Evil Jeff, and he talks about his experience going through that, and how horrible the result of that Kickstarter was. How he reached out to him, and and how they weren't really great in the way they responded to him. So that's what Joe's referring to. They have other stuff as well. I haven't read their other stuff. Maybe that, you know, modern pace set or whatever. It, those modern things are good, and and I don't wish them any ill will, but I think it's shitty to take the name of an old company, slap it on your products that have nothing to do with those old products, and then confuse people like Joe on who you are. You know, so I have an issue with that, especially when another company out there still has the original Paysetter products out there. So they're intentionally muddling, muddling the waters, and I, I have an issue with that. So maybe their products are great, maybe they're great people. And I definitely don't wish them any ill will, but I really wish they'd call themselves something other than Paysetter because they're not. And, you know, so whatever. Um, if you want the 80s Paysetter games that you grew up with and remember with the action table and all that stuff, you go to Goblinoy Games because they have all that stuff. They have all those Paysetter, old Paysetter properties. The new Paysetter is OSR stuff, and maybe it's great. I don't know. They're B the BX thing they kickstarted was not great, um, as evidenced by Evil Jeff's in-depth review of it. But maybe the um, maybe their modules are really good. I don't know because I haven't ever looked at their modules, so I can't give a comment on that. But if you want to play the original Paysetter stuff, go to Goblinoid. They sell all that stuff. Like I say, you, you know, you can get Mage of Sandman, you can get 
Time Master. The chill is now rebranded as Crip World due to licensing issues, but Crip World is is really the predecessor or the the um, successor of Chill First Edition. So I recommend you check that out. I hope that clarifies that, Joe. Um, so do not have any ill will towards Goblinoid Games or towards Chill Blackmore Man or any of that stuff. Because that 80s company that put out all that really great stuff has nothing to do with a modern company that puts out OSR stuff. So I, I guess that's an important clarification I need to make that I shouldn't have to make because companies just shouldn't gra- shouldn't just grab the name of an old company they're not related to and slap it on a, something to try to sell things. But, you know, there's my little rant. And to show that I'm not being totally unobjective about this, I will include a link in the show notes to a post by Bill Barsh, who has the current Paysetter Games, the OSR company. And he discusses why he took the name Paysetter as opposed to, you know, coming up with an original name for his company. So that'll be in the show notes if you're curious to hear his thought process behind taking that name. And like I say, I wish them the best. No ill will, but I really wish they had a different name for their company. Okay. With that out of the way, let's go to our next call. Hey, Jason. It's Joe calling in. Um, I just finished the reward episode for the uh, sci-fi horror contest. Um, yeah, I really just wanted to apologize for not making a call. Uh, you know that I usually get my entries in, and, you know, I've just been I've been tra- crazy busy uh, these past few weeks. And, you know, more so, uh, the man's making everybody's lives more difficult with his anchor apocalypse. Um, so, yeah. Uh, just never got around to it. Um, but you know, it was a great contest, really great entries in, in the, uh, in the episode, awesome inspiration for games and, and stories. Uh, congrats to Arlen on his win. Um, I hope, uh, you know, I hope, uh, he really digs those traveler books and, you know, really gracious of Carl to offer those out, man. That's, that's awesome. Um, I think all the great movies were were mentioned. I can't I couldn't really think of any that that I would have uh, I would have added other than a couple that I'm going to mention. Really, I think the Aliens probably my favorite sci-fi horror film. Uh, kind of goes without saying, I guess. Um, but a few that weren't mentioned that I think are, you know, probably worth a view uh, is uh, the Europa Report. Um, kind of a lower budget film. I think it was made for Netflix originally. Um, I could have that wrong. I think that's where I saw it. Um, yeah, yeah, pretty interesting little tale, not unlike Alien. Um, uh, and another one, which is arguably not sci-fi, but you know we can debate it, uh, is The Descent. Um, and uh, you know, and the reason I think it's sci-fi is that, well, spoilers, I guess. Three, two, one. And you'll have to tune in after the ending theme song to hear the rest of that call because I don't want to have spoilers in the main body of the show. So if you want to hear why Joe thinks Descent is a heart, a sci-fi horror movie, go to the end of the show and you'll be able to, after this ending theme song, you'll be able to hear that. It's a section called spoilers. Um, the Europa Report's a great poll too. Great call. Joe, I'm sorry you missed the episode um, and you missed the deadline to get that content, you know, to enter the contest, but I'm glad you did reach out. And I appreciate all that you're doing, Joe. Joe, of course, has Raven Guy Games, and he not only has the Elder Tales, which is a white box-inspired Lovecraftian game, he's also working on Reaver, which is a sword and sorcery game that's not OSR-based. It's it's his own design that's really cool. I've been able to help playtest that. I'm looking forward to that being released on the market when he does. So thank you, Joe. And folks, if you don't mind spoilers for Descent, hop, you know, stay on after the ending music. If you don't want to hear spoilers, you haven't seen the movie yet, then just when the ending music comes on, turn off the episode until you watch the movie, then come back. Also, after the ending theme song is Safer's entry for the contest, 1953's Invasion from Mars. And remember, folks, if you sent a call into Jason and you haven't heard it on this episode, have no fear. It will appear. Okay, that's it. That's all for the show, except for the spoiler comments. It'll be after the ending theme song. I want to thank all my callers. I want to thank all my listeners. 
I want to thank Ray Otis for the coffee cup clip art, even though today I'm using the amazing movie poster from This Gun for Hire. I want to thank TJ Drennan for the wonderful music. And I just want to ask everybody to be excellent to each other. Joked about your spouse, but the operator's screaming it's coming from inside the house. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Well, the audience is pretty sure he took a pretty head, and the only question left is if I could see him dead. Bring on the gold, bring on the gold. I want some Sure is a dustbin and your oil is by a zipper And I'm assuming that's your partner back there in the wood chipper Don't look away Okay, folks, spoilers for different movies now. As far as the things I was going to talk about spoiler-wise, I think the only one I really want to touch on is the 1982 Cat People. In that movie, I I just think if you ended it with her accepting she's a, a cat person and when she leaves New Orleans initially after you know, her brother after Mount McDowell's killed, I think you could have ended the movie right there and it would have been fine. Um, I don't think you need to have her come back and and go through all that. I think the last half hour of that movie could have skipped. You could have skipped that horrible sequence where they try to recreate the pool scene from 1942. I I think there's something interesting in 1982's Cat People. It's a very different movie than the original. And I do think it's interesting what, what they tried to do. But the 42 movie is the superior of the two by far, um, even without the full frontal nudity that you have in the 82 version. So, other spoilers. I'm not going to spoil Barbarian. Sorry. Um, I'm not going to... Near Dark, I, I mentioned the ending's weak. You know, basically because the vampires don't win. Because the, the way the vampires go out, and I think, is weak. I, I think the way that the final vampires go out of that movie is a really weak way to end it um especially if you've been around for a long time are are you really gonna go out like that i don't think so and the same thing with how they i I don't know they they played pretty loose with vampire lore and, and i don't buy the the way the blood transfusion thing works in that movie um the the hunger yeah i've talked about what i think about this the scott brothers um so I think that's all I'm going to say as far as any spoiler stuff for me. But we have some talk from two other people. So Joe Salvador, Raven Games, is going to spoil The Descent for us or give us spoiler for The Descent. So I'll play that episode or that ending part of his call where he's talking about that. So remember, this is from his previous call where he was talking about the sci-fi horror movie contest. So I'm going to turn it back over to Joe. Is The Descent. Um, and... Uh... You know, and the reason I think it's sci-fi is that, well, spoilers, I guess, three, two, one, uh, the creatures that they meet in that film, the antagonists, you know, they're not supernatural at all. Uh, they're not undead. They're not demons. Um, they don't really seem to be aliens. Uh, to my mind, and obviously they don't talk about this in the film at all, but they seem to be like a divergent race of humans, right? Uh to me, that's sci-fi. Um, I don't know. Uh, just throwing it out. And also, you know, that's a film that we should have talked about in August with the, uh, the Lovecraftian episode. Um, I 
you know, I don't, I don't have any evidence from the writer or the director, but I, I can't believe that this is not uh, based on Lovecraft's short story called The Thing in the Cave, which is, I mean, it's basically the same thing, um, just with more people involved. Uh, yeah, anyway, uh, all the best, man. I will talk to you soon. See ya. Hey, Joe. Yeah, I can't argue that the idea of a degenerate race is a, more of a science-based idea, so that makes The Descent a sci-fi horror movie. The Descent is a very claustrophobic movie. It's a very well done, very scary movie, highly recommended. Uh, it's done by the same director who did Dog Soldiers, which is one of the best werewolf movies, another highly, highly recommended movie. Okay, the last call we have for today is from Safer of Safer Fantasy Crafting. This is his late entry for the contest, sci-fi horror movie contest, and he gives full spoilers for Invasion from Mars from 1953, which is why it's here after the theme music. After his call's done, the show's just going to stop. So thank you, though, Safer. I do appreciate the call. Hello, Jason. It's just Safer. I've just listened to your sci-fi horror award show. Uh, really enjoyed it. Nice little bit of banter there between you and uh, Carl and some uh, great little suggestions from everybody. Uh, I couldn't believe what one of your callers, David from Beatlet Games, I thought he sounded like Tom Waits. I thought, whoa, is Tom Waits called into Jason's show? But that might just be my me and my poor Geordie ears not being able to distinguish American accents. Uh, but one thing I did want to say, I'm glad you mentioned Life Force. You know, I loved that. Uh, I mentioned that before on the Cosmic Horror but for me, the the best sci-fi horror movie me is I can't mention no one mentioned it. Invaders from Mars from nineteen fifty three. It's just full of so many iconic, nightmarish imagery, like that little fence on the top of the hill that leads to nowhere, just to a sand pit that people get sucked into. But and and the sense of desperation of the little boy who no one will believe. They think he's all just crying wolf and losing his parents uh, not no longer being able to trust his parents it's just it's just pure nightmare stuff it's exactly the kind of thing you would see in a nightmarish dream uh, i can imagine have you know kind of thing you just can't escape from and just perfect perfect little movie on such a low budget well that is until the big reveal without you know at the end it's not exactly a spoiler this because the, the pictures on the on the poster for the movie the little the little head in the in the in the glass ball but it's a little bit of a disappointment. But then again, so many reveals are. It's it was it was the sense of paranoid, claustrophobic nightmare, dreamlike element of the the film before that that I think really worked the best. But cheers, Jason. Take care. All the best. <laughs>